0: Hello and welcome everyone to another episode of the CFS Health Recovery Podcast. Super, super excited to have a special guest with us today, Dr. Olivia Lesnar. Thank you so much for coming back on to the podcast. We said we'd do a series and so we're going to do a series. If you haven't watched the first episode with Dr. Olivia, go back and listen to it now. We talk about chronic fatigue syndrome, chronic illness. We talk really about the process of going through something like this, the suffering aspect, and what you could do to enhance your life as it is right now, so you can move forwards and enjoy it more, basically. It was a really powerful conversation. In today's episode, we're going to talk about symptoms. It's a common question we get a lot on our social media channels. Toby Can you please just tell me is this normal is my sore achy legs normal is it normal to have swollen glands you know i can't concentrate i'm losing muscle mass like what's going on and so i'd love to kind of explore this topic with you dr olivia because i think chronic fatigue syndrome is such a freaking puzzle it's a maze and you know when i meet people down the street and they say what are you doing i say well we help people with chronic fatigue syndrome and other associated illnesses start living again And they go, oh, is that just like a mental problem? Like, is that just like, uh... (laughs) yeah, all the time. Like, isn't that just depression? It's really interesting. Some people are getting more clued in now, which is really good. But I often have to explain to them, no, it's very much a neurological problem, physical problem.
1: Just the fact that you said that is very important because the very fact that the medical fraternity have separated the mind and the brain is part of the problem separated the mind and the body, It's part of the problem.
0: My go-to is, you no, know, it's very much a physical illness. It's very much neurological. And then I'll say this, tell me what you like. What's your hobbies? And they say, oh, I love bike riding. I bike ride every day. I ride 80 kilometers a day. I go, okay, cool. So I just want to ask you this. If tomorrow I took away bike riding, if tomorrow I took away the possibility that you could use your bike and you weren't able to. How would you feel mentally and emotionally about that oh well i'd feel horrible i said well that's what people with chronic fatigue syndrome and chronic illnesses are going through so no it's not mental emotional it's very much physical and neurological and there is a mental emotional component to it because as you just said to me that you know if you can't do what you love to do of course you're going to be upset about it of course it's going to affect you emotionally too and so it kind of just like clicks into gear as soon as i say that but yeah i kind of love your thoughts on that too
1: well and that's why chronic fatigue is such a difficult disorder to pin down and it's because the symptoms can be so varied so different from person to person so You know, the chances of two people with CFS meeting on the street and both having the same symptoms is rare. Mm. And that's why people find it difficult to identify with each other. They're trying to tease apart, well, what's CFS and what's actually the flu or the cold Mm. or brain fog because of a certain, you know, whatever, food or am I getting early dementia or whatever it may be. And that's why having a very good relationship with a compassionate doctor who's taking the time with you is really important. So the first thing that we have to sort of like just dispel is that there is no such thing as a standardized list of symptoms that all people with chronic fatigue syndrome have. Partly because this isn't type 2 diabetes where there is a specific metabolic pathway, related pathways which are being affected. We know what it is. We can test for it. Boom, Bob's your uncle. Chronic fatigue syndrome is literally, it's a syndrome, so it's not actually a disease, right? And these constellation of symptoms, like I said, they vary from person to person, but this destination of CFS can actually be brought up from different roads. Some people come at it post-viral, and of the post-viral family, different viruses may get you there, including now with post-COVID. Then you have some people coming to their diagnosis of chronic fatigue syndrome because of injury or accident that they never quite got better from. Surgery, sometimes that can happen. Others would be a very, very stressful life event or period of time, and they fell down after and they just couldn't get back up. I mean, there are so many ways to get to CFS, which is why it's not actually a disease, it's a syndrome.
0: What's the difference between a syndrome and a disease?
1: So, it's... a disease actually has a process that we know of, right? Uh, like I said, with type 2 diabetes, for yeah. example. Whereas a syndrome is a group of symptoms which consistently occur together, or a condition like CFS, which is characterized by a set of associated symptoms. Gotcha. So, it's different. It's not actually a disease. Mm-hmm. Like IBS, irritable bowel syndrome, it's mm-hmm. not a disease. Inflammatory bowel disease is a disease. It's not a syndrome. So different things that people can experience, as you mentioned, some of them, of course, fatigue is the main one. Yeah. But then there's also that brain stuff. So problems with memory, concentration, you know, you have to read something over and over again, word finding difficulties. Some people, it does express as if you have a persistent viral infection but it's not an infection it's inflammation again two separate things that you kind of need to know the difference about infection is where you have a pathogen and a pathogen is like a parasite bacterial virus for example that is in the throes of essentially attacking or doing damage and your immune system is actively fighting against that pathogen that's an infection Now, most infections will have inflammation. Inflammation is, you know, like if you cut yourself, there's redness, there's swelling, there's a bit of heat, there might be a bit of itching. Inflammation is your body's first line of defense, basically, against what it believes to be a threat. So it can be pathogens, but it can also be dust mites, pollen, or even just the perception of threat by your brain can bring on inflammation. Mm. Now I point to my arm because I was using this as an example, but you can have inflammation, you know, nasal pharynx in your guts, wherever. Mm. And because of that inflammation that can be brought on, some CFS patients feel like they're constantly getting sick. Their immune system is shot. They're catching everything that's going around. And, In our program, you and me, you know, a lot of the time I'm trying to sort of tease it apart, whereby it may not necessarily be an infection. It may be inflammation. Mm. And inflammation will include those symptoms like sore throats and even enlarged lymph nodes, because your immune system is looking for an enemy and it's constantly like sampling the environment, taking it back to the lymph nodes to present it to other cells, immune cells to say, Have you seen this before? Because if it is a part of a virus that it's presenting right? Your immune cells will go, Oh, I haven't seen that before. Let me go make some antibodies. And that's how that cycle works. And like you also said, you know, other symptoms can be sort of that unexplained muscle or or joint pain, or many people with CFS complain of unrefreshing sleep
0: or issues with sleep. Well, that's the myth that people don't understand. People who don't experience chronic fatigue syndrome, they just think you sleep all day and that you're kind of lazy. You know, they're like, Oh, you sleep all day. (laughs) From what I've kind of watched and seen over the last decade is that there's kind of two to three stages of recovery, but they're very different. The first stage is the acute stage of suffering where you are exhausted. The lethargy is through the roof. You are sleeping or oversleeping 16, hours a day because you know, your body's playing catch up from whatever's happened in the past. And there's almost like a restoring of credits happening. But then in stage two, the tired and wide stage, that's where it almost, goes reverse where there's sleep irritability broken sleep finding it hard you know there's energy in the system but your brain doesn't know what to do with it and so you're circadian rhythms out of whack and so it's a real balance and but yeah i'm so glad you mentioned that one because i think a lot of people just seem to think that you know chronic fatigue syndrome is yeah just sleeping all day where for many it's not the case
1: right exactly and look that's why having a practitioner that you're familiar with or who's familiar with you in your case is very important because and this is a problem that happens with all patients with a chronic disease especially patients with psychiatric issues because everybody defines them by that they start to define themselves by their disease i've had patients come in to talk to me about whatever it could be pain in the tummy right? Oh, doc, I've got a pain in the tummy. But I also have bipolar disease. Like They're constantly apologizing for themselves because the world has invalidated them and their symptoms. And they start to invalidate themselves. Don't do that. You can absolutely have CFS and have IBS. You can have CFS and anxiety. You can have CFS and then have a run of allergies you know, but everyone starts to see themselves with this main disease picture, this main syndrome picture. I have, or I am bipolar. I have CFS and then every other symptom that comes their way or issue that comes their way is seen through this lens. That's why it's important to have a doctor you trust.
0: These conversations are so funny because they just go so much deeper than the surface level. And I have to add into that because one of the things we do inside our program, we notice, especially initially the identification of the illness and who they are. And so rather than say, Hey doc, I'm experiencing X, Y, Z, they'll say my chronic fatigue syndrome is doing this to me. And mm-hmm. so I pulled members up and Gemma Hanley, our resident mindset coach will help with this too, because is it yours or is it just an experience that you're having? One. You have to reframe. Reframe. And how okay. does it feel if you keep saying my this, my that? It's, you know, my depression. You're holding on to it like it's who you are. But what if you just said, right now, I'm experiencing a bout of depression? How much of a difference does that feel just by saying that?
1: That's right. Yeah, 100%. No. Yeah, I totally agree. So, so as far as symptoms go, it's those things plus more. I mean, the whole list is there. And like you just said, you know, you go from acute to tired and wired, and that can change with other symptomatology as well. So you can go from not having sore throats as being part of your symptom stack, and then all of a sudden you start getting sore throats. And that's why you got to check in with your doctor, because you could very well be someone who, you know, you have CFS, and oh, you also have an actual infection, <laughs> but you need to sort that out, right? That conversation needs to happen that check-ins need to happen.
0: Yeah. Let's just, just for the sake of people who are new to this and they're going, what's going on? I'll bring up a couple off the top of my head. Obviously we spoke about brain fog, lethargy, concentration issues. And um, mm-hmm. one of the other things is dizziness. Headaches is a huge one. You've done some awesome lesson sessions inside our program on that. I know you've just done one recently. Gut issues. You know, constipation, diarrhea, intolerance, sensitivities, anything else kind of ring to mind.
1: And also people have to understand that CFS, mm-hmm. because of whatever various pathways are being activated or um, immune systems which is being activated, there are also associated other syndromes or other issues. So a lot of people with ME-CFS may also experience postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. And POTS is where you get dizziness or your heart beats really fast, for example, when you go from a lying or sitting position to a standing position. Or when your blood pulls at your feet, you're not able to pump that blood away from gravity as effectively, right? So is it your CFS or is it your POTS? And this is why, like I said, the conversation with your doctor is very important. MECFS cfs has also been very closely linked with EDS, Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, hypermobility syndrome. And Ehlers-Danlos in and of itself has got, I don't know where we're up to, but the last I remember was 13 different types of EDS, right? Where your collagen doesn't lay down properly and there are knock-on effects from that and not just being a bit bendy. And so because there are other diseases at play that may be tying in with your CFS, these diseases like to play with each other, you need to make sure that you're pinning the tail on the right donkey, I suppose. Massive activation syndrome is massive. Massive activation syndrome, POTS and EDS, they like to play together, the triad. Mm-hmm. And CFS is definitely a very, very close cousin to this little group, this little gang. Mm-hmm. Massive activation syndrome is where you have Well, different definitions, but generally speaking, it's inappropriate and excessive degranulation of your mast cells in response to threats, whatever those threats are, perceived or real.
0: I would also add on that we haven't spoken about is the deconditioning of the body, muscle mass loss, weight gain is also a big one, hormonal problems. Mm -hmm.
1: uh, the Post-exertional malaise.
0: Yeah, overdoing it, pushing and crashing all the time. You know, which is why baseline is so important, which we're going to do a whole episode just on that. Yeah. Would you say, cause you know, I've seen a lot of people over the past decade, like thousands of people and lots of different diagnoses, clinical ME, CPS diagnosis, you know, from NHS kind of thing or Stanford university. And then I've had other people who have had all these associated symptoms and suffering yet they couldn't find a doctor to diagnose them, but their help is on the decline and it's chronic. And what I found is that the commonalities of recovery match up against. It's the same. It's the same. And you know when people send a page a message and say, "Oh will it work for long COVID? Will it work for adrenal fatigue? Will it work for chronic fatigue? Will it work for MECFS, chronic fatigue syndrome? Will it work for fibromyalgia? My answer is, it's not about it working for your illness. We are a health program that helps you build your health regardless of what your diagnosis is. And so if anyone's listening, yes, it's important to identify what's going on and definitely, definitely seek medical help and find a good GP, as Dr. Olivia is saying, to exclude anything else for peace of mind. You need to know, like, is there anything else going on? And once the research is done and once all the testing is done, also having a proactive approach to help building your health because as you get healthier, your symptoms start to decrease. And we just see this time and time again. And it's not necessarily about the diagnosis, it's just about the person, what they need to focus on and get help with right away, and then moving forwards with that.
1: This is also partly how the medical establishment have delineated and categorized certain conditions, mm. right? So the very fact that we no longer see the person as a whole and they are actually just made up of a sum of different organ systems is the first problem. Whereas if you start to look at things more as not from an organ system perspective, but from a driver's perspective, for example, if you have excess inflammation in your body, you are more at risk of cardiovascular issues, skin problems, asthma, hay fever, diabetes, inflammation is it's the root for a lot of these things. Now, other, other factors at play, of course, absolutely do not pin me to uh, oversimplified things. However, if you are then able to work on your inflammation, what is it? Is it excess glycation? Is it insulin and sugar dysregulation? Because everyone thinks of insulin and sugar dysregulation as part of a diabetes picture, but that also drives cardiovascular issues too. And that's why what you were saying is, will this work for fibromyalgia? Will this work for the, will this work for the, da, 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 da. That's because we're seeing things from a boxed, categorized point of view where we're not understanding that the, and this is our fault. This is the medical fraternity's fault, right? Where we're not seeing that commonalities, the drivers of a lot of these different things. So when we're talking about these different symptoms from different diseases, we're actually at the heart of it. We're talking about very similar pathways, very similar mechanisms. And yeah, that's why everyone's happy to say, oh, she got stressed and then wound up with depression. She got stress and then wound up with IBS. She got stress and then she wound up with diarrhea. She got stress and she wound up with eczema. So we are able to say that about stress. We know that that one thing can cause all these different Disease processes. Mm. And it's the exact same thing. Just pull back, pull back, pull back. A healthy baseline, a healthy diet, a healthy behaviorisms, healthy mindset that will take you far in whatever disease process mm. you are dealing
0: with. Well said. Well, amen. The two things that we didn't talk about, well, we did at the start, but the two other, I guess, symptoms of suffering is secondary depression and secondary anxiety and what that basically means is you don't just have depression for the sake of having depression you're depressed because of a secondary problem or a first-hand problem which is chronic fatigue syndrome for instance and you can't go and do the things you want to do and therefore you're depressed about that and so it's a really common thing that we see with people is their mindset and emotional well-being is so affected from their physical limits and struggle and suffering. And so I just wanted to mention that just for peace of mind, if you guys are out there right now, and you're really dealing with that, like, just give yourself a little bit of grace and just understand that. I think anyone would feel that way. You know, it's a totally appropriate response to feel when you're in the suffering and as an option, there are ways that you can get back into the now and focus now and for the future. Versus missing and loathing the past, you know, and grieving in that. And, you know, Dr. Olivia said in the first episode with her about having that agency, going from victim to victor, having that sense of agency within yourself and knowing, well, what can I do to change this? You know, what can I do that's in my control that can help me right now? Because one thing is I can have a pity party and I can throw that every day if I wanted to, but uh, over time, not many people want to attend that party anymore. And it's a pretty lonely one. And that's a big shout out to Craig Harper, one of my first ever mentors. He used to talk about that a lot. How's your pity party going? Because usually it's only one person at the party and it's just you. And it's really not much of a fun party. And I love that. And it's so true, whether it's chronic illness or just life, you know, life, relationships, business, whatever it is. We can easily get into that mindset or we can go the other route and go, well, what does being evicted today look like for me? You know, it doesn't have to be this strong, hard, harsh Approach it can be well, being a victor today looks like giving myself some permission to just be not trying so hard, not overcompensating, and just allowing is what a victor could look like today. You know, it really is dependent on you and your situation. So, yeah, any last words you want to talk to on this? I feel like we kind of went pretty deep. <laughs> hey, yeah.
1: look, you know, you wanted to talk about symptoms, and I think that people, if they're asking, random strangers on the internet what symptoms of cfs look like it means that they don't have a good relationship with their doctor so that's something that needs to be rectified Mm -hmm. and okay fine you may not have someone near you but there's always zoom that you can do or it doesn't have to be a doctor right it could be a health professional who understands cfs because once you've gone through the medical ringer and you've got your diagnosis then you just need some help and support with regards to your diagnosis. And, you know, programs like CFS Health are very helpful because there are lots of people in the program who are going through something similar. There's obviously the coaches. I think, what, two of you? No, three of you came out the other side of CFS. Is that right? You, Gem, and Eric?
0: So, we've got four specialist coaches right now: Aaron Enright, Ahil Gannison, Gemma Hanley, and Steph Ryan, who've come out the other end of their recovery. And yeah, they did the actual recovery. program. And then, you know, they went on to do their own studies in their own mm-hmm. fields. So, obviously, we have a specialist in movement, special in mindset, specialist in general health and well-being. So, it's pretty cool. So, including you,
1: that's five. And I think with the patients, it would be. Sometimes when a new symptom pops up, of course, you've got to make sure that it's not a separate disease process, right? But it's important for patients as well, that because I see this all the time in clinic for all chronic diseases, not just CFS, mm. but they're constantly chasing as opposed to settling in and just doing the work because the work is going to see you through whatever is happening, right? And yeah, I think there's something about the chasing, which I see
0: hundred percent. And I'm so glad you mentioned that. Cause I think it's a perfect way to finish is like, we don't have a symptom approach at CFS health. We have a health approach. We're not even an illness program. We're a health and life program. And you know that you've seen the content and how deep it goes into not just getting healthy, but just like, what do you value? And like, what are your values now? And are you aligning to it? What are your goals for the future? you know, getting really in touch with yourself and having that future focus is just so important. So, you know, I think it's just spot on as like, yeah, once you've got your diagnosis or any, if you don't, I was lucky after two years that I did get a diagnosis from a specialist, but in saying that I'm the type of person that almost don't care. Just tell me what to do. Like, what can I do to help myself? You know, and there are those people who need that confirmation first, which is so understandable. And then there's other people who's like, I had a client once in England who said, I'm on a 12 month waiting list for the NHS. I want to do your program right now because I don't want to wait and do nothing for the next 12 months. And it was awesome because she went from like struggling and no idea of what a baseline meant to then literally, you know, rebuilding and regaining her life back again and no longer needing that appointment in the first place. So, you know, you don't have to wait for things. You can start now by taking that control back in yourself and focusing. Oh,
1: that's the problem with these conversations with you. We can go on and on and on. Um, I know you want to wrap no, this up, <laughs> I, was gonna, I was just going to say about, you know, I, I, I do less and less testing with patients now because a lot of these tests are expensive, right? There's the standard tests, which for many countries, luckily it's covered by Medicare or NHS or whatever it may be mm-hmm. or insurance. And then once those ones are normal, which inevitably they are, you are know, someone with CFS, you know, then you start doing some specialized testing, right? And it starts to get into the hundreds, if not thousands of dollars, mm. And I always say to patients, how does this test change management? That's why I rarely do. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, of course, still do. but I rarely do microbiome testing as a first off because they're very expensive. You get this massive list of all these gut bacteria that's in there. And then it's, well, what do I do? Because at the end of the day the answer generally speaking is very similar to what you would have done if you didn't get that microbiome test that is cut out the shit, add in the good healthy fats eating
0: regularly long-term approach yeah
1: right exactly so because look i'm a terrain doctor that's why i don't deal too much with probiotics prebiotics yes but i don't do too much with probiotics anymore little bits and pieces here and there like Those are very, very good evidence for sure, but I'm a terrain doctor, so I work more on what is the gut looking like? What's the food you're putting in there? What's the pH doing? How often are you having a poo? That kind of stuff, because when the terrain is right, the right bugs will grow. Mm -hmm. Simple as that. So how does testing change management? Because I've seen patients chase and chase and chase and chase these Tests and trying to chase a diagnosis and da da da, and there is definitely relief when they get their diagnosis, but they realise it didn't change. But
0: anything. then, but then what exactly? And also, there's a really dark rabbit hole that what you focus on expands, and so you just keep expanding and focusing on all the shit and how bad it is when you have only a precious amount of energy that you've got right now. You can utilize for healing you know and moving you forwards too so thank you so much for this conversation i'm sure it's been really really eye-opening and helpful for these guys so thanks again Liv. you're welcome. no
1: worries